uh, we are diving back into the Storyteller series. This morning, I have invited James. Uh, everyone say hi, James. Hi, James. So last time I was, I was um, preaching and teaching, we went through the entire book of Exodus. Now, I've been told maybe we should cut that down. So we are only doing a chapter this morning, Acts chapter 10. So if you want to open your Bible or on your device, pull up Acts chapter 10. Uh, this morning, James is going to help us, and when I mean us, I mean me, uh, work us through Acts chapter 10 as he reads, and uh, we'll follow along. And, and uh, I might, I don't know, James, I might stop sometimes. I might stop you, but uh, um, uh, thank you for being willing to read. And so uh, then we can, we can dive into Acts chapter 10. But before we do, um, I'm feeling it's appropriate to pray right now for the Spirit of God to, well, let's just pray. Father God, this morning it is good to be here. It is good to, um, to worship you, Father, to praise you. It is good to be reminded that you delight in your children. This morning, God, what a, what a treat that is, what a, to hold that, to know that. And God, I pray as we dive into your word here and we read about uh, Peter and about Cornelius, that God, it would be your spirit that, that this morning would convict in the things that we read, convict our hearts and things that we need to be convicted of. God, that it, our hearts would be encouraged in the things that we need to be encouraged. God, that by your spirit, walls would be torn down into areas, God, that we have put up walls because there is fear that exists or anxiety or uncertainty, that God, that only you, your presence in our life, in those spaces, in the no way, those ways, could bring wholeness to the brokenness that exists there, God. So I pray that as we dive into your word, it would not be the words that are spoken here, but it would be your spirit that fills, your spirit that enters into a place, into an opportunity, God, where you are calling us into be more like you, to reflect more of who you are in our life because of your grace, because of your Holy Spirit filling us. May that happen this morning, God, I pray. In your name, amen. James is also here to calm me down when we get rolling. So, uh, we'll just dive right in. But again, if we're reading Acts chapter 10, uh, we're going to start in verse 1. And again, this is the, this is, uh, let me just give some backstory. Peter has just, um, he has just spent time with this woman who was dead and, pr and prayed with her, sent everyone out of the room, prayed with her, and then she rose from the dead and walked out and everyone's amazed. And Peter's like, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. Right? This, so Peter's, this is just after this has happened. I'm not sure if Peter's like riding a, a, a wave of just excitement after seeing this happen. Uh, but here we find uh, Peter and, and Cornelius starting in um, Acts chapter 10. So James, take it away. And then I might stop you, but you just keep going. And... Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, wow. I am loud. Okay. Acts 10. Cornelius calls for Peter. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, 
Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Okay, hold there. Okay, um, so we now are introduced to, um, to Cornelius. He's a, a soldier for the Roman army, a centurion, um, and he's got a lot under his command. He is, he is there in, in uh, Caesarea. This is a huge port city for the Roman Empire uh, there on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And he has this vision, this, this visitor, and it says, send someone to Joppa. Now, Joppa is, is it's like here to Seattle, here to Portland. It's an hour and a half. It's an hour and 15 minute drive now. Uh, so we'll find out how long it takes Peter to, or, or the servants to get there. But um, that, that's not very far. Not very far. And, and Joppa is another port city, not as big as, as Caesarea, uh, but it's another port city not far, not far away from from Caesarea. So here is Cornelius, a devout man, God-fearing. Uh, he prays continually. He's well-spoken uh, among the other Jews in the area, uh, and so which is unusual. Let's just take it, take for a second. This is unusual. He's a Roman soldier, a centurion who has lots of soldiers under his command, and he is generous in his giving, right, to the Jews and caring for those who are in need. Uh, this is unusual. Is an unusual person, unusual man, and here we find Cornelius. Let's, uh, let's keep going in, in verse 9. Uh, verse 9, Peter's vision. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure or impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Okay, let's hold there. Okay, now we got Peter, and he has a vision, and his vision is a little, he's uncertain about what this vision really means, right? So this uh, sheet is let down and has all these um, animals on the sheet that, that would be un, um, uh, impure and not holy for Peter to consume. These are things that are, are written in the law that, that, the, that from the Old Testament to now Peter is following uh, this law, this, this rule. I don't eat these things. And so the, the sheet gets let down and, and the voice says, kill and eat. But, but Peter's like, well, I, 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 sh- I can't. I can't do that. I've never, I love, the, I love the phrase, I have never, right? How many times? I have never. I've never done that, ever, and I would never. But it, but it, it repeats three times. So this, in, in one way, seems like Peter's being kind of obstinate to this, to this voice from heaven. No, no, kill and eat. No, no, I, this is, I, I wouldn't eat this because it is in our law, I can't eat it. It's not kosher. And it's repeated again, right, three times, kill and eat, the sheets let down, Peter's like, well, yes, I will not call anything unholy that, is, that you have made holy. This is not holy. It's written in the law. I know it. I mean, I, it's, I can kind of stand on firm ground on that. I know that this is not kosher. It's not holy. I'm not to consume it. And, and yet the, the phrase, again, 
uh, kill and eat, and, and then also the follow-up, don't call anything uh, that I have made holy, uh, or, or uh, don't call it unclean that I've made holy. And so we find out that Peter is, is again, disciple of God, God-fearing. He's praying here on the, on the rooftop. He's a righteous man. He's following the law. He's, he's, in one moment, we could say he's being obstinate to this call to, like, just do what the voice says. But Peter's like, this is in the law. I'm not calling something uh, clean that clearly I know when it's written down. This is not kosher. That's not clean. It's unholy. I'm not to eat this. And so later on, we'll, we'll find out as we dive back in. Let's go uh, continue on in verse 17. Uh, Peter has a, a bit more understanding of what this vision's uh, taking place. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. All right, keep going. Keep going. Peter at Cornelius' house. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. Okay, I'm going to hold you there. Okay, Peter comes, right? The, the visitors come. He hears the voice. Come down and meet them. Go with them. Uh, so the next day, right, they get up, they go. It takes them a day to get there. Um, and then they enter into Caesarea. They come to Cornelius' house. He walks in. He sees, this, he sees Cornelius. He meets. Cornelius falls at the ground like, I'm, I'm before one of Jesus' disciples. This is, this is a well-known man in, in, the, in the circle of the Jewish converts. And Peter just raises him up. I am only a man here. And then he sees, he walks further into the house, and he sees Cornelius' entire Household, right? The Greek word for that is his entire oikos. His entire household is, is there. Those who work for him, those who are, are related to him, those that, um, those that are, are friends and relatives that have come from near and far, um, most likely near, are gathered and filling this home while when Peter and his, and his friends walk in. Okay, so his entire, his entire household. Now, his vision becomes to be, it begins to be more clear, right? He's still perplexed about the vision, but it begins to become clear on what this vision is all about. Uh, when we read this, when I first read this, it's like, well, this vision is about food, but Peter's about to find out that this vision has nothing to do with food, right? And, and, and it, it begin to understand a bit more, and they're like, sh you know, share with us. Now we, we want to hear what it is you, you're here for. Share with us. And, and so um, let's continue on. Where did I stop you? In 28? Yes, 28. 28. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for... I came without raising any objection. 
May I ask why you sent for me? Okay, hold on. I'm not sure where I could find that. But Peter's statement to Cornelius and his whole household is, you know that it's unlawful for me to even be here. A Jew in a Gentile's home. I'm not sure where that is. I couldn't find it written down. Well, what it is, is a is an oral law, an oral tradition, something that's passed down from generation to generation for the Jews to recognize we've got to set ourselves apart, which means if I'm going to live a certain way, a kosher lifestyle, then I can't be in a home that isn't going to operate in the same way. I can't eat the food if they're not going to prepare the food in a kosher kitchen. Now, I don't eat kosher, but I know people who do. Most likely they'd ask a lot of questions of me if they were into my home and how things were prepared and I wouldn't know how to answer them. No, I just used a lot of whatever I had. Mostly the microwave. <laughs> a lot of preservatives. Okay? So it's passed down this oral law of I, I can't, it's unlawful for me to even be here. But because of this vision, I came. All right, keep going. Um, I keep stopping you in random places. Yeah, 30. That's what I'm Okay. As long as you keep track. Yeah, I'll keep track. <laughs> Cornelius answered, Four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. All right, so now uh, in, in this particular point of their story, and I mean the scene has been set. We know who Cornelius is. We know who Peter is. We know where they're at, and now they are ready to hear. They are ready to hear. Now, it seems as if though, uh, like the dominoes have just been falling over, a confirming of where, they're all there for a reason and a purpose, right? To, to have this, for Cornelius to have this vision, for Peter to have a vision uh, that's different but very similar, and that these things keep lining up, these instances keep lining up, and here they're sharing the story of here's why we are here where, where we are right now. Here's the reason we find ourselves right here, ready to hear the good news. Let's, let's hear it. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news, is that, yeah, <laughs> telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. 
All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. All right. Push pause. Time out. The good news. Peter, they're like, we're all ready to hear. The room is filled. His oikos is, exists right there. They are ready to hear it. They're ready to hear the good news. Peter, tell us why, what the message is that God has given you, why you're here. Come, tell us. Here it is. Here's the good news. If there is any section of Scripture to know what the good news is, here it is. Here's the good news. This sounds a lot like what Peter said when they, when the, at Pentecost, when the Spirit comes upon them. Here's the good news. Jesus has come. He's lived a life. He has, he has taught us. He has shown us. He has died. He was, he was, he was killed on the cross, but, but didn't die uh, forever. But on the third day, raised again and came to be around us so that we could see and be witnesses to who he is and what he's about and what he came to do. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. If you do what is right, he, you will be accepted in the very beginning of this. Right now, I know that God shows no partiality, but in, but in every nation, the man who fears him does what is right, is welcomed by him. If you do what is right, if you fear the Lord, he will, be, he will welcome you in. Just like Devin said this morning, he delights in us. If we fear the Lord and do what is right, thankfully, doing what is right is not up to me. Let me say that again. Doing what is right is not up to me. I don't get to decide. I do not get to decide what is right. As soon as I start deciding what is right, I go right back to the garden. I choose for myself, Adam and Eve, I choose for myself that I want to, I want to decide what is right and wrong. I want, to, I want to decide to be my own God, to decide my own way. Thankfully, to do what is right is not up to me. It is, it, is a, it is a recognition that my identity is firmly founded in Christ. He, God has created me. He loves me. He knows everything about me. And it is a desire out of my identity in him to be obedient to my creator, to the one who created everything and knows everything about me. I want to be obedient. I want to follow your commands, what you've called me to, to, to how to live and what to do. I want to be with you. Doing what is right, God sets that up for us. And we will be accepted by him if we do that. And so he finishes off this, this in, 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 that, that, that God sits as the judge of the living and the dead, or Jesus sits as the judge of the living and the dead. Of him, all the prophets bear witness, and through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Now, if this was just to stop here, then we, we couldn't all be, our minds be blown by this next portion of Scripture. But in accepting Jesus, we get forgiveness of sins, and here's what happens next. James, keep rolling on, would you please? Yeah. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who had heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Okay, so now not only do they get forgiveness of sins and accepting Jesus into their hearts as Lord and Savior, but they also get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Up to this point was only for the converted Jewish follower. At Pentecost, they were all there for this festival. It was only the Jewish converts who were receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Gentiles. Uh, I just throw this out there. 
I am a Gentile. I do not have Jewish roots. Well, that I know of. I haven't traced it back that far. But I don't have Jewish roots, nor do I have the Jewish faith of like following and even and following the law of which Peter was, says, it is even unlawful for me to be in this home, but because of what the vision I've had and what God has showed me, it is not about food. It is about people. Do not call people who I have made clean, unclean, or unholy. This gift of the Holy Spirit, this gift of forgiveness, is for everyone. It isn't just for the Jewish convert, the one who has been following the law, the Torah. It is for the Gentile as well, who doesn't have it. They don't have the, they don't have the Old Testament. They don't have the Torah. They don't have it memorized. They don't know it. They don't know the law. They don't know the story of God. But guess what? The gift of the Spirit and forgiveness is for them as well. It is for us. It's a gift for us. And we see this the first time that this takes place, where Gentiles get to get forgiveness of sins and forgiveness, uh, forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit in their life. And then what takes place after that, I encourage you after today to read the, the rest of the, the remaining chapters of Acts and see what happens and what takes place and where the Gentiles are able to take this message. So much further that even the Jews who had converted to following Jesus, that Jesus is Messiah, he's come to save, he's, come to, he's resurrected, he's come to save for salvation today and for the days to come. This gift is for all of us. It is for all of us. It is not just for the Jewish converts or for Peter or the disciples, whoever they talk to, but it is for the entire oikos of Cornelius. His entire household receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. The church explodes after this. It goes all over Asia Minor, all around the Mediterranean, even as far east, or far, I gotta know my directions, as far west as Spain and beyond. It explodes to, to recognize that this gift is for all. It doesn't just remain with God's people, his Hebrew people, his, the Jewish people. This gift is for all. But do you know what the church did? And when I mean church, I mean, you know, the disciples and all those Jewish converts that were in Jerusalem and around. Do you know what they did? They did exactly what we would do when our world is rocked. <laughs> this might be a convicting word. They did exactly what we do when our world, when our boundaries get blown out by what God is doing. They questioned Peter. James, can you read um, Acts 11, 2 and 3, please? Yes. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. And said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you do the thing that we recognize as unlawful? Well, show me where that is. Is that in the Ten Commandments? I missed it. I missed it. The church at the time did exactly what we do when God blows out our walls, blows out our boundaries, and we try to find safe spaces to, to exist and reside, and God says, you know what, Peter? You're only seeing so much. You've got blinders on, and I'm ready to blow those out. That sheet coming down, it had nothing to do with food. It had everything to do with people. See people the way that I see them, Peter. See them as my children. See them as as." Opportunities to receive, the, to receive forgiveness of their sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. See them the way that I do, Peter. Blow out those blinders. See the world like I do. 
And Peter's response, uh, James, jump down to seven, read 17 and 18 of, of ch uh, chapter 11, please. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Okay. Peter, in this question of you have been in a house of an uncircumcised person, you've been in a house of a, of a Gentile, you've eaten with them, how dare you? Peter goes on to tell the story of what took place, the visions that happened, the vision of Cornelius, and when he came into the house and the, and the, and the gospel message, the good news that he shared in the house, and that everyone uh, received forgiveness of their sins. Not only that, but the gift of the Holy Spirit came down upon them to fill their hearts. And then to say, well, who, who am I to stand in the way of what God is doing? Church, I, I want to be, <laughs> I want to be that person that makes that statement. Who am I to stand in the way of what God is doing? He's doing good things. He's doing big things. Who am I to stand in the way? In fact, I would love to just stand back. God, you take, take, go. I don't even, I don't, I do not want to be in your way. If the things that I hold on to so desperately and deeply are causing people to stumble, are causing people a barrier to get to you, please move me. Remove me. Get me out of the way so that they can experience you, God. They can have forgiveness of sins and, and the gift of the Holy Spirit upon their life. Move me out of the way, please. I do not want to be there. I do not want to be responding in the way the church did to Peter. How could you do that? How could you? It was the same question the Pharisees asked Jesus when he went to Zacchaeus' house. How could you go to a tax collector's house? They take our money. They're the enemy. You know what Jesus tells us? <laughs> this is my child. Zacchaeus is my son. He's going to do good things, big things for the kingdom. He might be a small man, but he's going to do big things for the kingdom. Now get out of his way. Get out of his way. Let him go where God, where I, where God is leading him. Sometimes we can be a, st a stumbling block when, when we forget, as, as even Peter and the other, uh, his other disciples came to a place where they, were, they had forgotten the story, the story that we've been telling all the way through. They forgot that, that what God told Abraham is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you a blessing to, to not just your people, not just to your family. I'm going to make you a blessing to the nations. He tells Abraham this. I'm going to make you a blessing to the nations. When, when Joshua is entering the promised land and this, this conquest of the promised land, he puts them at the crossroads of the earth. Everyone's coming through there. And he says, I am going to place my people at the crossroads of the earth so that they can be, bring peace to chaos, so that they can bring shalom to chaos. He tells the, all the, the prophets, as the prophets share with God's people, that you are going to be a light, not just to your people, but you are going to be a light to the nations. That you're going to bring hope to the Gentiles. He, he said this through the prophets. You're going to be a, li a light to the nations, a hope to the Gentiles. Listen, church, sometimes our worldview, sometimes our traditions, our interpretations can get in the way of what God is trying to do. It can get in the way. 
When, we, when he expands our boundaries, when he expands our safe places of what is known, our whole world begins to shake in the way that Peter's whole world began to shake. But a shaken world of uncertainty is often the beginning of revolution and a revolution of redemption and a liberation of the captives. A liberation of the captives, the ones who didn't have access to it finally had access because of Peter's willingness to go and share the good news. Where are we willing to go and share the good news? Where are those places? Likely, someone might be frowning upon us. Church, likely someone will be frowning upon us when we take the good news to the places that, the places that need the light. They need the light of Jesus, the hope of forgiveness. The gift of the Holy Spirit, will you take in, uh, the good news of Jesus into those places? Holding on to what was will not help us move into the opportunity of what could be. The, reconcil the reconciling of the world back to God. The work that he is inviting us into. And the eventual what will be, the new creation. The new creation that God is already at work at. He's at work in our life, in our life, and through our life. This is a story we are being invited into. This is a story we're being invited to know and to trust and to share. This is the story. Church, I, I tried to, to, to like say, you know what, God, there's another passage, I'm sure. But I cannot help it as, I, as, I, as we've been covering these stories and the, and the gift of the Holy Spirit and, and the work there that Peter the message he shared in that room, the invitation he gave, those that accepted, and the gift of the Holy Spirit, and what took place there. He's inviting us into those rooms, church. He's inviting us into those rooms to share that message of good news. And if you're like, well, what's the message of good news? I invite you to reread and to memorize chapter 10, 34 to 43. That is the good news. That is the message of God's, of G, as the work of Jesus on the cross, his resurrection, and the work in our life. He's inviting us in to know it, to trust it, and to share it. There is enough going on outside these walls of hurt and anxiety and uncertainty. But, but guys, church, family, when that takes place, know that there's an opportunity here in the midst of that uncertainty, that God's work of redemption and a revolution and liberation of the captives, do we want to see that? Do we want to see a liberation of those who were held by the darkness, who were held by the, the, the anxiety and the fear? Do we want to see a liberation take place, a revolution take place, that we could be a part of that? Church, we have an invitation here to tell that story, that story that exists in our life to those around us. Tell that story. Tell it, I pray. As we close this morning, uh, James, thank you for reading. Pretty soon, James will be telling his own story. James will be telling his own story. You will be telling your own story. This gift is not resided for a select few. This is a heart that comes out. You have that opportunity. Tell it. Share it.
as we close this morning and the worship team leads us in song, know that if there's the altars are open for an opportunity just to lay things down with, with the Lord. If you need that opportunity, I pray you take that. Prayer wall and, and communion and, and candle over my left. Let's take this time to listen to the Holy Spirit and what he has for us. Let's pray. Lord God, it is only by your spirit that there is anything that changes within us. We can have some fancy words and we can sing some great songs, but your spirit is what changes us, God. I pray now that we are in the process of being changed even now to turning our hearts back to you, God, to laying things down, releasing things, God, that are not from you, to taking up courage and understanding and a clarity of where you're leading us and where you're calling us, Lord. I pray, God, speak to us even now. Speak to us. May your voice be clear to us in the way it was clear to Peter and the way it was clear to Cornelius and everyone in his household. May your, may your voice be clear. In your name, amen.